Appreciate it very much. All right. Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and let's go to the little Old Testament book of Jonah. All right. Jonah, get back in this book together on Sunday morning. And we'll be in Jonah chapter 1 and some of Jonah chapter 2. But our primary verse for this morning will be Jonah chapter 1 and verse 17. All right. We'll be there primarily. And, uh, but as you find your place there in Jonah 1, I want to remind us once again that when people think, most of the time when people think of the book of Jonah, uh, they hear of that book, they're more familiar with the story of Jonah and, and the whale. But understand this book is more than just a story about a man and a great fish, all right? There's uh, so much more in this little book of the Bible than that story. Even though that story is absolutely amazing, exciting, and true, there's still more to it. There's still more to it in this book. We'll learn much about Jonah. Sure we will. We'll learn some <clears throat> about Nineveh. But the greatest thing we'll learn in this little book of the Old Testament is the greatness of our God. Because more about God than it is about a whale. It's more about the Lord than it is about Jonah. We'll learn about his greatness, about his great mercy, about his great care, about his great power, about his great love, his great forgiveness, his great compassion. We'll learn about his great wisdom and foresight, his great timing. God's timing is always perfect. Did you know that? Always is. There's so much to learn about our great God in this little book of the Bible. So please know this, know this, that when you think of Jonah in the Old Testament, of this book in the Old Testament. Please know this book is more about Jehovah and his ways than it is about Jonah and the whale, all right? Please know that. So much to learn from this little book of the Bible. So, so far, as we have been looking into Jonah together, we know, we know this, that Jonah was given a command from the Lord, and that was to do what, church? That was to go. He was to go. He was to go to Nineveh and preach the word of the Lord that was given to him. And we know what that word was. The Bible says, yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was a simple message he was to deliver and to give. He was to preach of the coming judgment that was going to fall upon these people. This was God's command for Jonah. This was Jonah's job. He was to simply go. But we also know, for one reason or another, we know that Jonah disobeyed this absolute clear command of the Lord and rebelled against God's word and God's will for his life. And we saw last time that as he rebelled, we saw in our rebellion that God begins to correct us. And when God corrects us, always remember he does so in love, always. Always, he corrects us because he loves us. We also saw there can be some collateral damage. Understanding our rebellion, there's never, it never just affects us. No, it can affect others around us, such as the case for Jonah, such as the case for Achan, such as the case for King David, and many other characters in Scripture and people down through history. Listen, there can be collateral damage with our rebellion against God's word and his will for our life. Also in our rebellion, it can cause this. It can cause great confusion. Because any time we try to do our will and not God's will, we will always be confused every time. Mark it down. Also, rebellion can be this. Rebellion can be costly. And though Jonah's rebellion cost him many things, the main thing we considered uh, last Sunday evening about this is it cost him his testimony. 
We know that Jonah was a great man. He was a great prophet. And we know this because for Jesus to say, while he was preaching to the multitudes in the book of Matthew, when he, for Jesus to say a greater than Jonas is here, that tells me that the people of this time and of this day had to at least consider Jonah a little great, all right? They considered him great. They considered him a great prophet, a great man, but no doubt that he, no doubt that he was. But listen, what will he be forever known? What will be his testimony as we think of Jonah? His testimony will always be this, that rebellious prophet who ran from the presence of a holy God. That's what he'd be known for. Listen, this rebellion cost him his testimony. But understand this. In our rebellion, there's always going to be a choice. Always. If we find ourselves in rebellion against the Lord and against his will, we will have a choice, one of two things. We can continue to rebel against God. Or we can choose to repent. Choose to rebel or choose to repent. Which, by the way, repent is not a bad word. Some folks get it sideways when they hear that word, repent. Look, look, that is a fantastic word. I consider it a very gracious word as I see it in Scripture. It's a great word. It just simply means a change of mind that results in a change of action. And God gives us time. God gives us, as the Scripture says, space to Repent. And it's only by His mercy and grace that He gives us that time and gives us that space and allows us that opportunity to turn from what we're doing and get in line with what God wants to do. But as we consider Jonah's choice, as we consider Jonah's rebellion, we know as we read ahead in Scripture in Jonah chapter 1 and 2, we know that at the end of chapter 1, Jonah did not Repent. Jonah did not turn back to God, even though the Lord was trying to. Even though the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, even though the great wind caused a terrible and terrifying storm, so much so that the ship that they were in was likely, the Bible says, likely to be broken. And even the sailors who were sailing that ship, they themselves, being seasoned men, were absolutely freaking out and scared to death because of this is an unnatural storm they'd never been in, been in before. They knew it was so unnatural that they knew it had to, be, it had to come from, from the divine. They were so unnatural. And it scared them to death. And for most people, that type of unnatural storm would have turned anybody to the Lord except for... Jonah. In the midst of this unnatural storm, what was Jonah doing? It starts with an A and ends with a sleep. He was asleep. That's right. He was asleep. He was asleep in the, in the midst of the storm, in the middle of that, of that boat. He had to be awakened as well, not by the storm, but by the captain. And after waking up and they were trying to find out whose cause this was, why this unnatural storm came upon them, after waking up and realizing what was going on, he told them, he said, listen, this storm, I'm paraphrasing of course, but this storm is because of me. It was Jonah's fault. And Jonah knew that and he told, he told them. But after he told them and after going through this storm, what did Jonah do? Did Jonah say, fellas, it's my fault. I am horrifically sorry. I'm a rebellious prophet of God, and I need to get right with God at this moment. Fellas, let's pray. <laughs> Did he do that? Negative. Not at all. 
Actually, the ones that lead in that prayer meeting on that boat that day wasn't the prophet. It was the pagan people. They're the ones that lead in a prayer meeting, which is actually quite sad if you think about it. But it wasn't him that was leading in a prayer meeting. No, no, no. What he actually did was this. Here's, what, here's his choice. Fellas, this storm is because of me, but I got a fix for you. Here it is. Cast me overboard. Throw me into the sea. Fellas, basically what you got to do, you got to kill me, all right? Throw me into the sea and this storm will be over. Throw me into the sea and this storm will cease. That's what you got to do. And guys, that's my choice. As I think of this moment towards the end of Jonah chapter 1, of giving that advice and making that choice, as I think of that, here's what comes to my mind. Jonah, are you crazy? What's wrong with you, man? What do you mean throw you overboard? This is your, your choice. You want them to throw you over into this horrific storm? Jonah, dude, there's got to be, yes, dude's in the Hebrew. Uh, dude, there's got to be some, some better choices here. There's got to be a better way here. You, you know, like maybe let's, let's here's a bright idea, Jonah. Let's try this one first. How about we, you know, pray and you repent? And get right with God since you know this is your fault. And this storm will stop. You know, let's try that choice first before we say, eh, off with his head. Throw him overboard, you know. As I'm thinking of this, I'm like, good night. Why are you casting yourself at the mercy of the sea when you could be casting yourself at the mercy of the Savior? That's a much better option to me. But in this moment, he doesn't do that. Rather, Jonah, he continues, continues his rebellion continues to harden his heart, continues to stiffen his neck. He continues to make the choice to rebel and flee from the presence of God. And do you know we call the individual who will continue to rebel, continue to disobey, continue to harden their hearts? Do you know what we call an individual who wants to continue to operate that way? Well, in the South, here's what we would say. That fella right there is stubborn as a stinking mule. Anybody ever said that? How many you know what I'm talking about? How many of you got family members like that? How many of you are the family member like that? All right. Yeah, me too. I'm glad I'm not alone. Amen. But that's what he's being at this moment. He is being stubborn as a stinking mule. He's just flat out stubborn. And when we come to chapter 1 and enter into chapter 2, we see his stubbornness. We see him continuing in this rebellion. We see him continue to harden his heart. What happens when we're going to continue to be stubborn? What happens in that? What is God going to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's look at this this morning. Here's the title of the message. It's chastising the stubborn mule, or really put it this way, chastising the stubborn servant, all right? Chastising the stubborn servant. Let's look at it together. Jonah chapter number 1, and let's start in verse number 12. We'll read down through verse number 17. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, and so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to pass, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was, very, and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. 
And lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah, cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. And verse 17 is kind of where we're going to park for a little while. Verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Our Father, again, we thank you for the word of God. I pray in this moment that you would arrest our attention, help us to forget the distractions outside these four walls, help us to focus in on the word and what you have for us. Do a great work, we pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll do a, a work in our hearts this morning. Use the word. Help me. Use my feeble efforts and feeble words to try to be a help and encouragement to others that are listening. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the Lord chastising a stubborn servant, all right? And uh, as we consider this, and as we come here to... Uh, to chapter, into chapter 1 and into chapter number 2, we're going to see more. I know we kind of hit on this a little bit of, of the chastising of the Lord or really correction of the Lord last time, but uh, we're going to look at it a little bit further. We see a little bit more details in, uh, in the life of Jonah here, details of what it really took to get the attention of Jonah. You would think this storm would have done it. Anybody else who's been in a storm like that? God, you have my complete undivided attention. Anyone else? You're in a storm like, yeah, all seven of us? Yes, we would have done that, all right? But it took a little more. It took a little more to get his attention and his chastising of this stubborn servant. The first thing I want to see about this chastisement is this. Number one, it was a prepared chastisement. It was a prepared chastisement. Look again at verse number 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, before we go any further into this message and in this point, if you'll allow me, I'd like to hit a couple things real quick, just as a side note, all right? I, help, I think it'll help us just get over it. It'll help me, all right, to get over this. If you'll allow me to do that real quick. Will you let me do that? Okay, thank you. All right. But just so you are aware, when it comes to the book of Jonah, it is this verse of this part of the book that many people get sidetracked on. Uh, where many people will begin to criticize in this verse. In this verse, many people consider it very controversial. But listen, it's only a controversy to many who will deny it, to many who will deny the historical and factual authenticity of this book because... It's controversial to those who do not believe in the divine, who do not believe in God. And since they do not believe in God, they want to try to get you not to believe in God. And since they don't believe in God, they refuse to believe in the miraculous. The same with the miracles of Christ that we recently went through this past year as we looked at those. Those, again, are under great scrutiny from people because, listen, they don't believe in God, therefore miracles don't exist. But that's just flat out wrong. It's, they're flat out wrong. But if you believe in the Lord, then you have no problem believing in this amazing event, even though it's very, listen, unnatural, okay? It's very unnatural. But you have no problem believing in that. Why? Because you believe in God, and God works in the supernatural. And be reminded, with God, all things are possible. And all means all, that's all all can mean, all right? Even being swallowed by a big old fish, okay? 
I'd like to have the opportunity to try to catch that thing, but anyway. Uh, but it's true. Don't get sidetracked on that. So as we consider Jonah, don't let someone trip you up with trying to, de- trying to uh, define all the details of this miracle that the Lord had prepared because you can't always explain all the details. You can't explain an infinite God to a finite mind. You just have to simply believe God. Believe, have faith, trust in the Lord. So don't get sidetracked here, though many people do. And also don't get sidetracked with this argument real quick as well, all right? As people come to this verse and they compare in Matthew chapter number 14, I'm sorry, number 12 as well, as they compare, was it a fish? Here's the argument. Was it a fish, as Jonah said, or was it a whale, as Jesus said? Again, this is another argument that folks try to make to discredit the authenticity of Jonah, the prophet, and the book itself, but ultimately try to discredit the authority and authenticity of the Lord. But listen, I find that argument very, very unnecessary for this main reason. The classification of animals and the animal kingdom, uh, that, that is something that man developed. The classifications of this fancy word, taxonomy, all right, taxidermy, that's where you get it from. Uh, that, that, uh, that type of thing, listen, those terms are ours, not God's. Now listen, if God, who is the creator of all things, by the way, if God wants to call this fish a whale or a whale a fish as creator, he has the right and authority to do so, and he is not limited to our classifications or rhetoric. Oh, come on, people. I mean, that was pretty good, even if I did say it, all right, hey, man, he's not limited to us. Okay, so don't get hung up on this argument. Don't get hung up, or was it a fish, or was it a whale? Uh, Stop. (laughs) That's a sidetracking argument that doesn't really, it's not really necessary. Because you missed the whole point to begin with. So, I want to get that out of the way so we can move further on down with some real applications that we see from this text together. All right, so, everybody good on that? All right, thank you. I had to just get that out of my system. Okay. As we see this, see this verse and see this chastisement of the Lord and see it that it was prepared, it was prepared because Jonah was continuing in his rebellion. And I, for one, as I consider Jonah continuing in his rebellion, I am quite surprised that he's continuing being so stinking stubborn. But as I read this verse, I'm again once reminded that the Lord is not surprised by what we have done or what we will do. He is not surprised by our sin. He is not surprised by our rebellion. Do you, did you know that what you have done does not shock God whatsoever? He does not look down from heaven as he strolls upon the uh, streets of gold and see what you've done or hear what you say. He does not look down and say, What? You did what? You said what? <laughs> He's not shocked whatsoever. He's not wringing his hands in heaven wondering what in the world do I do next with this guy. I mean, I knew he was a sinner, but I didn't know he was that bad of a sinner. <laughs> God is not shocked by what we do. He's not surprised what we have done, not whatsoever. For listen, if he was shocked, he wouldn't be all-knowing and he wouldn't have all foreknowledge and foresight. Listen, he is not surprised at Jonah's continued rebellion. Though we look at it and like, man, what's wrong with you? Rather, listen, 
God's not, not surprised about it. You know what he was doing? He was preparing for it because he knows the heart of man. He knows how wicked our hearts are. We don't even realize how wicked we are, but God knows fully and full aware how just wicked we are. Look at it again in, in verse 17. Jonah 1, verse 17. The Bible says, Now the Lord had, what's the next word? Prepared a great fish. Now this word prepared here, it means to ordain something, to assign something. But not in a general sense. Rather, it's more for a specific sense. The Lord had specifically prepared a great fish. And it's interesting as you read throughout uh, the rest of the book of Jonah, you will find this word prepared three more times. You will find it, I'll read it for you, you will find it in Jonah chapter 4, verses 6, 7, and 8. But the Bible says this, And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it come up over, over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd, but God prepared a worm. When the, when the, I'm sorry, when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered, and it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And just so you know, this word prepared in these instances, as well as in verse 17, are all the same English words, yes, but also, if it's of some interest to you, the same Hebrew words as well. It's the same Hebrew word, exact same one. But since this is the only place that this is found in all of Scripture, this Hebrew word that is, found here in Scripture, that tells me this preparation of the fish, of the gourd, of the worm, and of the east wind, this preparation was specific for Jonah. This preparation was not by happenstance. It wasn't an afterthought. This fish was no ordinary fish that you may just, it could be, if God wanted to use an ordinary fish in the sea, absolutely could but I think this was a specific one just suitable for Jonah and for this job of chastising this rebellious, stubborn servant. I believe this be a specific fish or a specific whale. Here's what I believe. This fish was specifically prepared for this specific purpose. This fish was created for Jonah's continued rebellion to get his attention. That's what I believe. The creator God of all the universe, listen, was not in heaven again, pacing the streets of gold, wondering what in the world he's going to do with this stubborn servant. No, no, no. He knew exactly what he was going to do ever before John was even born. Because he had, look at it with me, verse 17. Now the Lord had, key word there, had prepared a great fish. You know, it's interesting when you compare all the times where you see the word prepared in the book of Jonah, and you compare those, uh, those other three times all happened at one time. It was, it was instant. Uh, that, that gourd sprung up instantly. That worm came out instantly. That wind came instantly. But the fish was a little bit different. The fish, the Bible says, had been prepared. The Lord had prepared a great fish, meaning this was not an instant thing. Could God do it? Absolutely. He could grow a great fish instantly. Amen. I wish he would do that sometimes as I'm bass fishing. Could he do that? Yes, but I kind of think this was a preparation of time here. I believe it was done ahead of time. I believe the Lord had this fish already being prepared. Even while Jonah 
was ministering to the people in the northern kingdom, God was preparing a fish. While Jonah was being a good, great servant in Israel, God was preparing a fish. Before Jonah even began to think of his sin of rebellion, God was preparing a fish. Before the Lord, I'm sorry, before Jonah ever uttered the phrase or ever began to turn to run from the presence of God, listen, what God was doing, he was preparing a fish. I believe the Lord had this fish prepared in advance. Listen, the Lord knew that Jonah would run before Jonah knew that Jonah would run. The Lord knew that Jonah would sin and be stubborn before Jonah knew that he would sin or be continuously stubborn. Why? He's God. He knows everything. Everything about you, everything about me, everything about Jonah, his past, his present, and his future. God knows everything we have ever done or ever will do. God knows you and me, and guess what? Still loves us anyway. You can say amen right there. But he knows. God just knows everything, and he's not surprised by any of it. God, listen, the Lord had prepared a great fish. Did God send a storm? Yes or no? Yes, he did. Did Jonah repent at the storm? Yes or no? Nope. Did God know he would repent at the storm? Yes or no? He knew. And since he knew he would not repent, he had something prepared. And it was a great fish. Understand this chastisement of Jonah from the Lord was a prepared chastisement. Understand God wants us to do what is right. He does. He wants us to do what is right. As any loving parent wants their child to do what is right, God wants us to do what is right. But if we rebel and are stubborn, God is not thrown off track by our stubbornness. He's not shocked by our rebellion. Listen, he's not surprised by any of it at all. But rather in his great wisdom, his great omnipotence, his great foreknowledge. Again, look at the greatness of God, remember? His great foreknowledge and great foresight. Listen, he already has prepared to deal with our wrongness the entire time. You may be doing right right now. You say, my fellowship with the Lord is pretty good. It can always be better. Yes, everybody's could always be better. But you say, I, I think I'm doing the best I can as far as I know. I, I'm trying to follow the Lord, obey the word of God, and spend time with Him. As far as I know, I'm, I'm not in any open rebellion such as Jonah definitely was. I'm trying to do what's right. Well, listen, you may be doing what's right right now, but in years to come, you could turn on a dime and guess who's waiting for you when you do? God prepared a great fish. The Lord is ready and prepared to deal with us in any way necessary. I'm thankful that He is. Because again, that just proves to me His great love for us. If any of us would look at Jonah's life at this moment and see his continuous stubborn rebellion, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, Jonah's right. Hey, sailors, yeah, yeah, no, toss him. No, 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 no. Ring him back in. Safety buoy, whatever, bring him back in. Throw him further. No, throw him further than that. And try again. Bring him back in. Throw him further than that. You know, We want him to suffer a little bit and endure that little bit of pain if you're going to be that stubborn, right? But not God. God is prepared to deal, to deal with us. 
Again, just proves his great love. So this chastisement was a prepared chastisement. Number two, and I promise I'm going to hurry, this chastisement was a personal one as well. Look at verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up, who's that word name there, to swallow up Jonah. Not the sailors, not the boat, but Jonah himself. This is a personal chastisement. Understand, God knows exactly what it will take to get your attention and mine. Yes, Jonah began to run from the presence of God, and God sent a storm. He tried to get his attention there. For most people, he would have our attention, yet Jonah continued to rebel and continued to be stubborn. So therefore, the chastisement got a little hotter. It became a little more painful. We talked about that last Sunday, so I'm not going to go into more detail about that. But it began to get more hotter, more painful, and that chastisement was this. You can be swallowed by a great fish, by a whale. And this hot chastisement was going to be in the belly of that whale. Or as Jonah described it, he described it this way, being in the belly of hell. That's his description of this chastisement. As he endured the hot gases and juices of that whale, no doubt it began to digest Jonah. But, listen, it was that very thing that personal chastisement that got his attention finally. Look at it with me. I want to show you. Jonah chapter 2 and look at verse number 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord and, what's the next words? He heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, thou hurtst my my voice. But the phrase I want you to see is in verse number two when Jonah said this by reason of, what's that two letter word there? By reason of my, my affliction. He said it was his affliction. This affliction finally, that was personalized to him, finally got his attention. And it would be this affliction. That would turn it all around for Jonah. This chastisement that came his way was a personal one. Understand God knew exactly what it would take to get his attention. It was the well that God had been preparing before Jonah even knew Jonah was in the world. God was preparing this. It was personal just for, just for him. Look, I don't know what you may be going through. I don't know if you're in good standing with the Lord or not. I don't know if you're running from God or not. But I do know this. If you're running from the Lord, He knows how to get your attention. Again, as I said last Sunday, we talked about correction. I am not trying to be an alarmist. I'm not up here trying to put fear in you. But I know that sometimes you read the Word of God, God can put the fear in us, can He not? Amen. <laughs> He sure can, to fear the Lord. But understand, listen, if you want to run from God and continue to be stubborn and stiff in your neck, that's fine, that's your choice. But understand, God knows your number. He knows what will get your attention. I remember being in Bible college and hearing several testimonies of friends 
who were running from God. I remember one, one specific time we were at a, my, the first Bible college. I went to three Bible colleges, by the way. And, and No, it's not because I'm smart. It's because I didn't know what I was doing. And so anyway, so I went to three Bible colleges. The first one I went to, and they, they, they gave us a challenge, all the preacher boys to get up and give their testimony of how they surrendered to the Lord. Well, I heard several guys give testimony, and they were saying, man, I ran for three or four years. I ran for a decade. I ran for months, and I get up, and I'm like, I ran for two weeks because I'm fat and I don't like to run, you know, but <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew what God wanted me to do, so I said, yes, sir, but I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know he was supposed to run for years from the Lord for, you know, for in your life. I didn't know that, <laughs> but, uh, but as they got up and gave testimony of how far they ran, how long they ran from God, there's one individual, I remember he got up and he said, I ran for, from God for, for 12 years. I'm like, wow, man, Wow. <laughs> He said, God wanted me to preach, but I knew I, I didn't want to do that. I've been around preachers. I've been in church all my life. I knew sometimes what they go through, what they deal with. I didn't want to do that. But he said, after my third stroke, I'm like, what? You're, what? After my third stroke, I finally surrendered my life to God to do what he had me to do. I'm like, good night. And I came up to him later. And I said, man, third stroke, good night. How old are you? He said, I'm only like 33 at that time. I'm like, 33. I'm like, Three strokes or 33? He said, yeah, God got my attention. I said, I guess so. I'm glad he didn't have to have a fourth one, man. He said, me too. But God knows how to get your attention. I've told this testimony before about a friend of mine. His name's uh, Joseph, uh, Joseph Francis Stouter III. We call him Bubba. You'd want your name to be Bubba too, all right? But uh, we call him Bubba. He gave a testimony one day. He said, God sunk my shrimping boat. <laughs> That's a great testimony. I've got to hear this. And he told how God got his attention. He wanted to do his own thing, but God wanted him to preach. He's up in Ohio doing just that. Listen, God knows how to get our attention. But if you want to continue to be stubborn, our God in love will do just that. He'll get your attention. Why? Lastly and quickly, for this main reason when it comes to chastisement, there's a purpose behind it. Yes, it was prepared. Yes, it's personal. But listen, there's a purpose behind this. And God never moves without purpose. Nothing he does is by accident. No, he knows exactly what he is doing. There's always a purpose behind what he does and what he is doing. Listen, the Lord was more active in Jonah's life than he could ever imagine. He was more active in pursuing him, more active in correcting him than Jonah really believed or realized. Why? Because God had a purpose for him. Again, the same is true for us today. Listen, your life is not meaningless. No, God has a purpose for you. And it amazes me every time when I think about what God has for us. And how he's more interested in our lives than we could ever imagine, ever know. He's more interested and active in our life than we could ever know. Why? He has a purpose. For you. He has something for us to do. But listen, if we are so stubborn and so stuck in our ways and will not submit to God's word or his will, don't expect to find it. Because listen, the word of the Lord didn't come a second time in chapter 3. Is that right? Yes. I make sure. The word of the Lord didn't come a second time in chapter 3 until what happened? Jonah submitted himself once again to God. And the Bible says, look at it with me, chapter 3, verse 1. 
And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying. God has a purpose in what he does in our life, even the correction and chastisement that he brings. And I want to encourage you this morning to quickly respond to that if he is doing so. If he's trying to correct you, if he's trying to chastise you, if he's trying to convict you, that's the whole, one, of the, one of the jobs of the Holy, precious Holy Spirit, our comforter. He is also to convict us in order to correct us. Respond. That's why I say it at the end of every service, at the end of every time we open the Word of God together, respond appropriately to the Lord. Because only you know what he's doing in your heart and life through the Word of God through the preached word, through the taught word, through the reading of the word. Only you know what he's doing in your heart and life. Therefore, it's only you that can respond appropriately. I can't tell you what to do, but God is trying to. If we will listen and quickly respond and appropriately respond to that working of God in our life. Because listen, God is doing it for a purpose, for a purpose. So, where are you at this morning? So I'm at church at Bowen Springs Baptist Church. Well, amen. Glad you are. What I mean by that when I say, where are you this morning? I mean, where are you in standing with God this morning? You're trying to obey him the best you know how and walk with God the best you know how? Man, that's great. That's great. Keep it up. Keep doing it. And God will continue to lead you. Or maybe you're here and you're like Jonah in just flat out open rebellion. I'm... Down in your heart, you know it. You put on a good church face and you're very good with your Christianese, but down in your heart, you know you're in rebellion against God. Can I encourage you? Don't wait too late to get right with God. To confess our sin. Listen, he said if we confess our sin, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm thankful for that. So where are you at? Where are you at? Don't continue in being stubborn. Just give it to the Lord and walk with Him. Obey Him. You'll be glad you did. You want to go through a hotter chastisement that the Lord and His wisdom knows. That sometimes we, you know, sometimes when I point finger that way, I've got, when I'm pointing both of these, so I've got six, seven, eight more coming back at me. All right. We, sometimes we are so stubborn, God knows how to get our attention. Just simply be sensitive to him this morning. So, my challenge as we close, respond appropriately 